hey, if you're listening to this, you're about to listen to uh, a lecture from my class, biology slash psychology, 2606, Introduction to Behavioral Neuroscience for the fall term here at Algoma University. I'll be your host, Dave Broadbeck. I hope you get something out of it, but as I've said many times before, the real hope here is that my students get something out of it. If you do, well, that's also good. Oh, if you are one of my students, that definitely, you know, I'm starting to ramble. Without further ado, here's some intro music and then, you know, me talking about brains. Hey, Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. It's good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me. Right, so uh, today I'm just going to do review stuff, Q&A stuff. Coming up coming test, which is uh, on Monday. Uh, remember, your papers are due on Wednesday. They're due literally in a week. It's at 10 o'clock in the morning. So they're literally due in a week, because I'm saying this right now at 10 o'clock in the morning. So get them done. Um, and you submit those on the LMS. I don't need a hard copy. But a hard copy is not a, 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 a um, substitute for submitting it to the LMS. Emailing it to me is not a, 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 a substitute for submitting it to the LMS. <coughs> Submit it to the LMS, to Moodle. There's a thing, you click and do a thing with various stuff. Please. Um, right, so that's that. Uh, most of you have had your uh, papers, your topics, or your uh, papers for the review, or the paper sort of approved. There are still 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's still 14 people who haven't, which is mind-boggling. Because, um, like, if you think... Next Tuesday night at 10, you can email me and say, are these okay? No, I'm not even going to respond to that email. Because I'm at home, and I'm not at work. So, you know what? I, I, you know what? I, I, I bet everybody in here has some time. Right, so, uh, the test, as I've said many times, four definitions, a question that's a list of things, and it's one of these things where it's going to say, tell me these things and what they mean. So the same sort of idea as a diagram. Uh, it's a little easier than the last diagram, I think, so that's why I half the marks. Essay questions were 20. Um, it's everything since the last test, and I looked that up. That's chapters 4, 5, 6, 8, and 14, um, plus the lecture stuff, obviously. Um, you now, I think, know enough about my test to know that if it's something I talk about and the book talks about, it's probably something that I think is important. And I make up the test myself. It's not a uh, question bank or something like that. So because of that, you can make again a pretty good guess of what we're going to With all that said, does anyone have any questions that they want me to answer? Anything you want me to go over? Like I said, I think a good way to go would be to see if that's right. This time you are mentioning about the list. So, for example, there's this question like stages. So, if sure. I'm talking about like migrations, according to like what migrations, 
migration. Yeah, but very, I mean, you know, the word migration is a pretty good indication of what's going on, but. Undifferentiated cells go to where they're gonna go. <laughs> Something that, you know, I mean, some of the things are pretty clear what's going on. Yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a few words. It's not, yeah, don't write me anything really long. It's just so, you, so it's pretty clear that I, that I know that you know what, what you're talking about. That's the only reason I've done that. I used to just do lists, but then what happened? Like, I just do a list or just do a diagram. What happens is people just remember labels or just remember items, and they don't remember what they actually mean. And that's important, too. So, that was easy. So fusion pour. Who who knows what a fusion pour is? Tell me what a fusion pour is. Anyone? Anyone? You must know. Got a nice diagram here, but I'm not going to use. Maybe I will. I want to make sure. I've got a good diagram. Eh, no, screw it. I don't know what it looks like. So a fusion pour. First of all, what are we talking about? We're talking about fusion pour. Come on. Sure you know. Trying to formulate the word for it. No, that's fine. <laughs> but 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 doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about using technical terms. You can just use regular plain old English, please. Anybody. Is, is that what when the receptor is like it fuses? Not quite. The neurotransmitter. It's about neurotransmitters, and it's gonna be about eventually, though it's not quite with to a binding site. Releasing. Thank you. It's releasing. What happens? This is good. See, we see we're doing this here. We're getting it. So what happens is, well, that didn't work. See that? PhD. Okay. So here we have a membrane of a uh, of an axon. Okay. And here we have some vesicles. And eventually what happens is a vesicle fuses with a membrane. There's two ways it can fuse with a membrane. What's the two things it can do? What do I call it? One's called kiss and run. What's the other one? Collapse. Full collapse. Full collapse fusion. So either it's going to be kiss and run, and kiss and run just means this goes and it goes right back up and just releases it between about 100 and... 15 and 130, 50 maybe, uh, molecules of neurotransmitter are released. Or the whole thing, so that, that can just be bang bang and it goes. Or you can get it where it does this kind of thing. And you get full collapse, so it basically completely collapses and lets it out. That's the neurotransmitter. Okay, so that would be full collapse fusion. Here we're doing kiss and run. Either way, a fusion pore is created, a fusion pore is created when you get the fusion of a vesicle and a cellular membrane. And it's a pore, just like a pore in your skin. It just means a hole. And fusion means two things are fused together, pushed together. So that's all a fusion pore is. So the importance of it, if I was to ask you what a fusion pore was, you can say that, that it's when a vesicle fuses with a cell membrane. And through that pore rush, 
neurotransmitters. I think probably mentioning it's somewhere between, uh, let's go with 110 to about 160. That's, that's just outside everything I've read, so that's pretty good. So between 110 and about 160, molecules of a neurotransmitter are released into the, into the synapse through the fusion port, and then it closes back up. Uh, and that happens when there's an action potential. I think if you had those things, that's five points. Yeah. And I think drawing a couple of pictures is not a bad idea. I think a few of you did that last time, and as long as you, as, as, as it's clear what that meant, when I look at a picture, you can get all five points on a, on a definition from a picture if you draw a nice, doesn't have to be nice art, like that isn't nice art, that's just shit, look at it. But, my wife's an actual visual artist, who gets grants to do art, and she's all art, and I am garbage. And I mean just as a human being as well. That's an entirely different thing. So, but seriously, if you can draw a nice picture, see, we probably wouldn't have that there, but if you, you know, you could probably label this, and it's like, yeah, that'd be really fun. So it doesn't even have to be really arty, right? Um, as long as it's clear what's going on, pictures are fine. It is, so if you're very artistic, or you think, you know, you think about pictures a lot, there's nothing wrong with doing it going that way. It's totally acceptable. So yeah, that's a fusion point. That's what I, it's, that shows you know what it means. Like just saying it's 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 when a vesicle fuses to a membrane. That's like two and a half points of five right there. Because that's what it is. Now you get to put it in context, right? Good question. Other questions? That's a good, good start. Good start. Good start. Please. I, uh, I was wondering about electrical synapses. Yeah, we didn't go into too much into it, but there's a couple of interesting things about electrical synapses. There's chemical synapses. There's seven of those, because there's seven of everything. And then there's these electrical synapses. And electrical synapses are weird because they have, instead of a binding site and a receptor site, they've got... Uh, gee, I think I'm spelling that wrong for just two minutes. No, there must be. It's a weird word. English is weird at times. Anyway, connexon. So what happens at this connexon is that it allows the free flow of ions. So you have two, they aren't quite touching. <coughs> so if you look at a regular uh, chemical synapse, that's maybe 30 nanometers between the, <laughs> see I've now given up, I'm just drawing square things. Between these two rectangles is about 30 nanometers, okay, and that's in a chemical synapse. But in an electrical synapse, the neurons are almost touching. So it's the same idea, except that it's much smaller gap. Here we're talking about two to three nanometers. That's about right, good. So that's it's 10 times closer, they're almost touching. And between the two of them, there's a, uh, how do you want to describe this? Well, it's kind of, it's like a rosette. I, it's, it's hard to draw. But all these little leaves kind of open up. That's the best way to describe it, like little leaves that open up. It's, like a, it's almost like a valve. And then ions can freely flow through. Boy, that's hard to say. So this little rosette opens up, 
I was going to grab that, and then I thought, what am I going to do? Is I, if I grab, I'm going to get marker all over my hand. So, so, I, so I let it hit the ground. Again, that's PhD-level thinking right there. So what happens here is we can have free flow of ions. So we can have, you know, I don't know, some sodium ions. They just flow back and forth, by the way. It's bidirectional. They just flow back and forth. So you can see this is fast. There's no screwing around with fusion pores and full collapse fusion and then letting all these neurotransmitter molecules through and then hoping they, they bind to the next neuron. No, it's like, want some ions? So it's very fast. So what's, there's the upside of it, it's very fast. What, are the, what, we, what would be the downside of such a connection, of such a synapse, the likelihood synapse? And even if you haven't looked this stuff over, just think about this for a second. Okay, let's, let's change the question up a little bit. What happens a lot at synapses? Besides, obviously, interaction of neurotransmitters and binding sites. We spent four lectures talking about what happens at synapses. We just called it drugs. So, it's not the only thing that happens there, but what do drugs do? They alter either neurotransmitters or they interact with binding sites. But that's what's going on. At chemical synapses, a lot of psychoactive drugs are active there, yes? That can't happen here. So there's no way for other information, because you just got to think of this as information flow. That's all it is. There's no way for some other information to alter what's going on at an electrical synapse. This can be altered at a chemical synapse. Okay, now I'm just getting pissed off. It's like everything's out to get me. Oh yeah, we have a blind professor. Let's put a white string in front of a white board. That's funny. Um, and you might say, they were thinking of that, Dave. Exactly, they don't think. Um, if you're disabled, you don't cry about it because if you think about it too much, all you do is cry, so you laugh. Um, anyway, insight into my mind. Uh, probably too much, don't feel sorry for me. I'm just fine, thanks. I have a friend who's in a wheelchair and all she does is make jokes about it. Oh yeah, it's all you, it's all you can do. <laughs> it's because if you don't, you cry. So you do that quietly to yourself usually. <laughs> anyway, or you wait for Paul Dupuis to make blind jokes. That son of a bitch. But um, you guys know if you're a kid like that, it's all cool. So there's, you can't do anything here. You can't do that thing where other information comes through. You can here. This is extremely important here. So evolutionarily, this is probably older than this, first of all. It's simpler. Usually simpler stuff is older. So it's probably older. It's also, you see a lot more electrical synapses in, old, in, in, in older animals things like that. A lot of invertebrates. So we have them too, by the way. So if it's really old and really fast, what do you think typically these kind of synapses are for? And don't worry about if you've studied it or not. Think about this. If it's old and fast, okay. Stress. 
something for with stress, something, yes, exactly. When you see something that's a threat of any sort, right? So very quick reactions, probably to get away from things, to avoid things. And yeah, that's basically what those things are for. So therefore, when you see a stressor, for example, and when I say see, it can be any kind of sensory experience. Defense mechanisms. And I don't mean defense mechanisms like projection. Uh, you know, I, I mean defense, I don't mean like in a Freudian sense. I mean defense like running away you know, or fighting. They aren't nearly as important as us as they are in a lot of invertebrates and especially as they are in, uh, yeah, so in a lot of inverts for, for uh, avoiding predators and stuff. Yes? Um, so will electrical synapses be related to the fight or fight response time? Yeah, I think it is. But I mean, it isn't the only thing. <laughs> like, it all kind of hangs together. Okay. If I've done my job at all, <laughs> that means that this stuff kind of has a running theme and yeah. some stuff like that, but yeah. So that's, that's an electrical synapse. It's sort of the eighth synapse. There's the seven synapses that are a chemical, then there's this electrical one. Good question. Other questions? This is only going to go as long as you guys ask questions. <laughs> no. I mean, I could talk about other stuff, but I said I was going to do this, so I don't think it would be right. I could turn off the recording and I could give you all the questions, and the people who weren't listening, who weren't here, wouldn't get the word. I'm not going to do that. Um, when you consist chapters four to like four, five, six, eight, fourteen. There. Yeah. Do, it, is that is that all just kind of covered in the like? Pretty much in, like, in, in the lectures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you've probably got the idea now. Um, and it's probably. Are you in second year? Uh, second year psych. Yeah. Yeah. So you've probably found that in first year, a lot of times people follow the book very closely because if they don't, people go, hey, "What are you doing? I just got out of high school. Where are we?" So people tend to follow books very closely in first year. It stops usually in second year. So basically the book is a way for you to understand what I talk about in class. It's stuff I want you to know. It's stuff you should read, know you should read it before class, but it, it, it's, it forms the background so you can understand what I'm talking about now. Yeah, and all my gestures. You know, but... Yeah, so I mean the stuff's important and I want you to know it and really amazing answers bring in stuff I didn't talk about in class. Like killer answers to definitions and essay questions and stuff tend to bring in stuff that I haven't talked about in class or stuff in the book. You'd be hard pressed to get an, for example, an A, so an excellent thing without having book stuff in there too. You can probably get a, if you're a really, 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 really good student, a high B without a book at all. But, you know. Yeah, pretty amazing. What about that noise? A little weird. Okay. Teaching once in EW two hundred, and suddenly there was all this. There were people fixing the roof, and then stuff started to fall, and I just said, "Class over." Because <laughs> I think they're taking over. I think it's you know. I think they think Bin Laden's in here. It was obviously a long time ago. Another time, when there was a vent in a room, in a room downstairs. WW103, and then all this, like, a cloud came into it, and we just ran. 
because we figured it was some kind of knockout gas and we were suddenly in a splinter cell game. All right, questions? Who's got questions? If you have none, that's fine too, but I'm happy to answer them is what I'm saying. But I'm also happy to go back to my office, make myself another cup of coffee and do some work. <laughs> so either way, it's good for me. So don't feel pressure, but don't feel like you're not, you know, obviously asking about it. Are you going to ask us anything about hormones? I could. Uh, how much time did we spend on hormones? If good, seven minutes. Um, whereas I think we spent, I think if I figured it out, it's about three and a half hours talking about drugs. Notice how I said, didn't say, we just spent three and a half hours on drugs. Mm -hmm. That'd be fine. Um, I think, I mean, what, what are the chances of me asking about cortisol as a definition? Pretty slim, I think. We spent so little time on it. I think bringing that stuff in to one of the other definitions, into, perhaps into the essay, I can't see that there's a list of hormones. I, can only, I can't think of seven that we thought, well, I probably could, but it wouldn't be right. So, I mean, I could ask stuff, but like I said, a killer answer would bring some stuff in for perhaps, but I didn't spend too much time on it. So yeah, I mean, strategically, you can figure there's not a ton of stuff there. If anything, it would be perhaps one definition. That means there's nine others to choose from. There's no way it's the essay question. Yeah. So what's the essay question? What can I answer? <laughs> well, it's a question that you're going to reply, required to, to give me a response to. Yeah. Yes. You should be able to figure out what it probably is, though, because it's not. So, I, I can't find a common theme for this series of lectures. I could for the first bit. The hierarchical parallel thing was nice. I could do that. This I can't really. I probably could do something with synapses in the future. I don't know. It's a tough one. But we spent three full classes talking about drugs. It's probably something about drugs. I mean, I'm not telling any tales at school. What's that? What about Gabba? Oh, what about Gabba? Well, Gabba's a neurotransmitter. So Gabba is gamma amino butyric acid. You wouldn't normally capitalize all those, but I'm just doing that to show you that's where GABA comes from. So GABA is, the thing about GABA is that it's inhibitory. So when a GABA synapse, sorry, when a GABA receptor site is bound to, right? it opens up an ion channel, and it's a chlorine ion channel. So if chlorine goes in, it makes it the next neuron a little less likely to fire. And a GABA, uh, I can't draw this very well, it kind of looks like that. But a, a GABA receptor site is a fascinating thing because not only can GABA open up, obviously, but the other thing that can open it up is uh, benzo, no, sorry, barbiturates. So a barbiturate like phenobarbital, sodium pentothal, uh, things like that, can open up that a GABA 
ion channel, so chlorine, there's the, put the ion channel here like that. So chlorine goes in there. So this should show you that barbiturates can be extremely dangerous because these things slow you down. But if you get so slowed down, you stop breathing. <laughs> so that's pretty important. Now, there's also, let's uh, that, and we'll, we'll dash this one. So it's benzodiazepines. Benzodiazepines act as a positive GABA, GABA modulator. What that means is they make GABA work more efficiently. How do they do that? Uh, they make the receptor more attractive to the GABA molecule. It's just quicker. But they still need the GABA, so they're not as dangerous. They're not as dangerous as barbiturates, which can open it up themselves. They're still dangerous. You can still die from benzodiazepine overdose. It's just a little harder to die on from those than it is from something like phenobarbital. So the other interesting thing about the GABA receptor complex is it's a fascinating thing because it has these other receptors, not just GABA. So for benzodiazepine, for, uh, but there's also alcohol receptors in the GABA system. And there are nicotine receptors in the GABA system. And it's a bit of a long story, so take neuropharmacology, but it's a bit of a long story, but it kind of explains why people like to smoke when they drink. And I'll leave that for neuropharmacology. We have something to sell you on taking another class from me next year. Um, but it's an extremely complicated thing, but it's a very important one because it's, it's the biggie as far as inhibitory neurotransmitters. It's always inhibitory and it's always got this, so it's, it's a chlorine ion channel. So, and it's, it's a very, it's the second most common neurotransmitter in your brain. The first most common being glutamate. And it's always excitatory. snow so I put on winter coat for the first time and you know I usually put on a winter coat and you get oh I found a $20 bill I just found a handful of masks <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding I got a handful of them like, look at all these masks oh I forgot we even had these you know questions other questions got help yeah it's okay thank you oh please sorry um can we go over like different types of drugs and what they do to use, like antipsychotics. Yeah, sure. Let's see if I can all the classifications. Um, well, let's start with the first couple we talked about here. Benzodiazepines and barbiturates. They are both sedatives, right? Um, they are sedative hypnotics. The name should tell you what they do. They slow you down and put you to sleep. That's and if you take too much, they put you to sleep the way you put a dog to sleep. <laughs> you end up living in a farm north of here that you can never visit. Um, <laughs> I 
I'm just thinking back to that. But my mother actually saying when we got rid of a dog that when I was little, oh, it's gone away. My dad said, we had to get it killed. <laughs> it's like, well, he's being honest. And, oh, poor Archie, what a stupid dog. Anyway, <laughs> only had it for about two months and was like sick. I don't know how we got that dog. I don't know. Anyway, barbiturates, benzodiazepines. Anyways, alcohol is its own thing. You know what alcohol does? It's a depressant. It works here. There's nicotine. It's a stimulant, but it's kind of a weird stimulant, so we call it its own thing. There's cannabis. We call it, it's kind of its own thing. So, and you know what that does? Uh, there's antipsychotics. The name should tell you what that does. And who remembers what antipsychotics work on? What kind of receptors do they work on? Anybody? Just yell it out. Don't yell. You can just say it. Okay, I'll yell it. Dopamine! So it's dopamine. They work on D2 receptors. It's funny, if you didn't have enough dopamine, I wouldn't think you'd scream dopamine, would you? Because you, anyway. Um, Antidepressants. Well, it's pretty obvious what they're supposed to do. Work on depression. What are the three kinds of antidepressants? Give me one. SSRI. SSRI. What's that stand for? Selective serotonin reuptake. a boy. She can call you a boy, sir. <laughs> Children. This very very few things I hate more than when people call you all kids. Just, so I'm teaching these kids, really, were you in an elementary school? Because I don't think we teach children. Now, I'm childish, but that's an entirely different thing. So I like to start talking about taking inhibitors. There's two other kinds of antidepressants. What are they? Give me one. TCA. TCA. What are they? What's that stand for? Uh, tricyclic antidepressants. Yes. What do they do? How do they work? Uh, they block the reuptake of, uh, of M-A. Yeah, monoamines. Phone. Is that our phone? Yeah. Who's calling? No. Well, whoever it was, they stopped. So we got to leave a message. We should save it. Run back. <laughs> I didn't touch it. I had nothing to do with it. I can't believe that Priya was up there with the phone. I just picked the person's name and you were there. Um, okay. Tricyclic antidepressants block monoamines. There's one left. BDNF. Which one? BDNF. Nope. That's how they work. <laughs> You're close. That's probably how they work. We don't really know how. That's SSRIs, how they work. They, prob they, they, they block the reuptake of serotonin, which probably, well, seems to cause an increase over time in brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Yeah, that's probably the problem with depression. <laughs> Let's go instead with that might be the problem with depression. Because we don't really know. Unlike schizophrenia, which we don't. There's still one left. You've been studying. MAOI, what's that stand for? What's the I stand for? Inhibitor. Inhibitor. Oh. Yeah. That should tell you how it works. <laughs> it blocks monoamine oxidase. 
Remember, monoamine oxidase is just an enzyme that breaks down monoamine neurotransmitters. So if you block that, you end up with more monoamine neurotransmitters. Okay? These are all making more monoamines available to the system, well, some of them specifically serotonin, for example, but it seems like the, the important thing here is, as mentioned, brain-derived neurotrophic factor is probably, at least that's the current thinking as to what the issue is with depression, is that there's not enough EDNF. It's just another one of these growth factors that's important in the functioning of your nervous system. Okay? And if they don't get this stuff, if neurons don't get this stuff, they don't function. So that's probably how they work. So that's antidepressants. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Actually, so are you born with that? Or like, or <laughs> it just develops? Uh, yes. <laughs> the answer to your question is yes. I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows. So yes, you're born with it, and you develop it, and you can catch it. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, no one really quite knows. There's, there's clearly a genetic component. I mean, again, now let's, you know, there's beyond thinking to the idea that everything is a combination of genes and the environment. That's all true, fine, but you know. Uh, yeah, there, there is stuff that's pretty clearly like run, running in families, but there's not a, sim a simple, uh, sorry, a single gene or something like that that creates depression. Um, yeah, so we don't really know. Yeah, sadly. Figure that out, publish it, win a Nobel Prize. Save literally millions of lives. Get on that. Talk to you about what, five years? You can probably get it done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, any other drugs? What else? What else? Oh, stimulants. Stimulants typically, how do they work? What do you think? Just think this. Don't even worry about if you know it or not. Reason this through. How does a stimulant work? If you were designing a stimulant, if you were some real kick-ass neurochemist, <coughs> if you were to design a stimulant, it would make more of neurotransmitters available somehow. More excitatory neurotransmitters, right? So that's what they do. <laughs> they cause release of neurotransmitters. They can cause a block reuptake. I mean, cocaine is just a dopamine reuptake antagonist. You know, so cocaine blocks reuptake of dopamine. It's actually the case that there are antidepressant drugs that we haven't talked about because it's beyond the scope of this course. Again, take neuropharmacology. There are selective dopamine reuptake inhibitors, which is basically all that cocaine is. Um, so, so that's excitatory. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, uh, stimulants. What else? What am I missing? Anti-anxiety. Which? Anti-anxiety. Yeah, the anti-anxiety medications tend to be things like Benzodiazepines, usually benzodiazepines nowadays. Uh, hallucinogens, they tend to mimic neurotransmitters, so a lot of them are serotonin uh, agonists, so you end up with things like LSD, psilocybin. They cause hallucinations at less than lethal levels. It's kind of hard to get a lethal level with some of these things. Uh, it's 
very difficult to overdose on something like LSD. I'm not, I'm not issuing a challenge for you to try. It's the newest challenge on TikTok. Can you overdose on LSD? Well, I, I took five grams of LSD to find out. You better have a really better clear your calendar if you've got five grams of LSD. Um, I was trying to think, would that even kill you? Probably not. Hundred. Just doing some quick arithmetic. Hundred. Five hundred. That's about five thousand times the amount you would take to, to go on a little trip. <laughs> so that's a lot of acid. Like a lot. Don't do that. And I think that's all the classifications of the different drugs I talked about. I think so. I think did I miss anything there? I don't think so. So actually, can taking drugs give you a chemical imbalance? Oh, sure. Yeah. Or you sure, you can. Uh, there are certain drugs you should really avoid if you've got, uh, like you should avoid cannabis if you have a history of psychotic, psychotic episodes. Like it just shouldn't be something you touch. Same with uh, hallucinogen. Anything where you lose touch with reality, which is, you know, psychotic disorders, things like schizophrenia, things like mania, uh, bipolar, which has a media component. Uh, depression isn't classified as psych psychotic disorder, but you aren't really doing a great job reality testing if you're depressed, right? Taking something that messes with your sense of reality is a very bad idea when you have in your medical history not understanding reality. So the worst, one of the worst things you can do, you know, it's like any drug, take them as directed, right? So. If you have a history of these kind of things, you shouldn't be doing uh, certain drugs you avoid. Hallucinogens is one for sure. But, but so are things like uh, cannabis. Yeah, cannabis is pretty safe, but it can be dangerous. You can take too much. Usually that involves just lying down and you'll be fine, right? With someone we trust. This is one of the biggest things about taking a lot of psychoactive drugs, if you've never taken them before especially, is take them with somebody you trust who's not going to be on the drugs with you, so they can, they can talk you down. Right? Yeah, you really should have somebody with you. You should have somebody, like if, if, you're, if you're tripping on acid, there should be somebody in the room who's taken acid before who's totally straight right now. So they can say, it's okay, totally, it's just the drugs, the walls are not closing in on you, and I'm not a demon. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, so they, they can cause problems, sure. Um, does your brain adjust over time to drugs? Yeah, sure it does, because you know, that's how you end up with dependence and tolerance, well, tolerance and dependence, so yeah. yeah. Can they cause long-term, yeah, sure, sure. There, there are things to be careful with. Like, you know, like a lot of what we call adult substances, we should be careful with them. That's why we don't give them to kids. Yeah. Uh, could you please go over the, um, the process of MAO enzyme that breaks down MAO? I can. So monoamine neurotransmitters. So this is a really big synapse up here. Above this, this is going to be an a dendrite, and down here's an axon, okay? So there's a bunch of uh, monoamine neurotransmitters. I don't know which ones they are. Too bad I have different colored markers that would make this better. 
I just stepped on a shoelace. I think I'll pull my shoe. Okay. So there's a bunch of monoamine neurotransmitters floating around in this great big synapse. So this is about 30 nanometers. So it's not the scale. This is up here. It's down here. It's floating around, floating around. Some of them are going to bind. So we got some binding sites. Let's make. Let's make three binding sites. There, there's one here, and one here, and we'll put one here. So this one here binds here. She goes here, he goes here, and we're done. We have two extras. Well, they can be taken back up into the original neuron. They could go back up to here. Or maybe they just float around. You don't really want them just floating around because that's extra neurotransmitter that isn't sending information. So typically, we have something that comes along called monoamine oxidase. Here's some more. Floating around. <laughs> There's got to be a joke about Mao Zedong there, but I don't know what the joke is. How do you guys not know who Mao is? Anyway, what this one would do is it goes over here, this one goes over here, and they would just they, they kill it. They, they, they break it down. They, ox they, they, they break, they, they knock off oxygen. Okay. So now these are, these will now not bind to these binding sites. Okay? Makes sense so far. But let's say you don't have enough monoamines. So instead of normally releasing five, molecules, and we know it's more than that. This is just for illustrating the point. So instead of releasing five molecules, you only release three. But you do still have some mouths floating around. There's this guy here, this guy here. What if this one breaks this one down before it binds? This one breaks this one down before it binds. So that would do that, that would do that. Now we got a problem. We've got binding sites where they don't need neurotransmitter. Oops. We don't want that. And you might think, well, what we could do, why don't we just uh, inject the person with some monoamine neurotransmitter? Well, the problem with that is It'd be like random firing. It's not there what necessarily what it's supposed to be there. What you want is you just want more neurotransmitter in this great big synapse here. Well, the way to deal with that is if we had something that could stop this, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, this will come along here, break that down, which means that doesn't happen. Break that down, which means that doesn't happen. And now we have enough. Whoops. <laughs> Neurotransmitter. That's it. I mean, schematically, I don't actually, I don't know all the chemistry. Because I don't want to know, and I'm at the point in my life where I don't care. <laughs> but that's basically how it works. Make sense? Good. You have any questions today? This is really good. This isn't always the way. 
Sometimes this lasts about three minutes. And the weird thing is, the bigger the class, the shorter this lasts. I don't know. So like, when there's been like 85 people, which we used to put, offer this course only once a year. It's a very popular class because it's classic biology and psychology, and it's a prerequisite for a bunch of upper year psychology classes, so we get a lot of people. So we do it every term now. We used to do it only once a year. And um, I would, this would last five minutes. So this is good. Other questions? Good, you're asking good questions too that I don't have to look up. <laughs> it's always the biggest shock when I got to university from high school. Because the prophecy, I don't know. <laughs> high school teachers were like, I do know this, I am now going to make up a story. But they don't tell you they make up a story, they just make some shit up, and then you write that down, and then you, you, you regurgitate it, then you get to university, and someone goes, no, that's just bullshit. I don't know where you heard that crap. <laughs> so. Yeah, to me, the biggest, thing, biggest the weirdest thing was that and the swearing. The, I can't be the only person who says shit now and then in class, right? So I don't think. No, Dave, it's just you. <laughs> Great! Who has questions? Anybody else have the questions? If you don't, that's also fine, like I said. Feel pressure. Please. Um, I was wondering if you could go over the, the optic nerves, how they like cross. Don't worry about it. Final down. exam. That's not final. Oh, yeah. Right. We're not doing vision. Oh, okay. yeah. Maybe. Not yet. <laughs> but I can certainly go over it again next next class. Well, not next class. A week from today. If you, I'll, I'll, I'll make a point. Yeah, the vision stuff isn't on this test. I testing you on half of the stuff. It's very difficult for me to make up questions, and it's also very difficult to mark them because I already know all the stuff that I want you to. Know. I don't know all stuff, but all the stuff I want you to know. Then I have to go back. And go, I didn't talk about that. It's happened then that I've actually marked like all the tests wrong, so I just don't do it anymore. Other thing. Oh, please, sorry, it's your hand. Um, can you go over the opiate receptors? Sure, uh, there are different kinds. Uh, let's see if I can remember them all. Uh, let's see, there are, they're all Greek letters, <laughs> Kappa, Mu, Sigma, Delta, which is the name, obviously, of some sort of fraternity. Um, so the important thing is it. I mean, just that level of detail of the names, that's fine. I, you know, I don't know where they're all, clearly. Uh, description, I know the important thing, though. There are opiate receptors in the nucleus accumbens, the ventral tegmental area, and the medial forebrain bundle. They basically are all over your reward system. Right, so the key thing is that there are receptors for opiates. They were the first drug receptors that were discovered. I think that's an important point. 
Uh, the fact that they're all over your nervous, all over your reward system is an important point. They're also in things like periaqueductal gray, which causes, you know, that's what kills the pain. They're in your spinal column, that, that's what kills the pain. They're in your reward system, that's what makes you feel like you're having an orgasm from your whole body for 45 minutes, as someone once described it to me. It's apparently fun to take heroin. Um, so, I guess really that's the big set, and, and that then led us, the discovery of opiate receptors led people to start looking for receptors for other drugs. So all the drugs, when I say there's receptors for cannabinoids, there's receptors for nicotine, benzodiazepines, barbiturates, those were all discovered after the opiate receptors were discovered, and that was in the early 1980s. So that's pretty, I mean, that's scientifically recent enough. That's the important thing, I think, and I think the other important thing is that you can block opiate receptors with an opiate antagonist called naloxone, and it, op it blocks the receptor site but does not open the ion channel. So that makes it something that you give to people when you think of overdose. And you can actually get a free naloxone kit at, the, at a pharmacy, you just have to go ask. Because if you see somebody who's overdosing, you can just give them, it's the equivalent of like an EpiPen, give them naloxone, you might save somebody. It's kind of sad, but it's the way it is. Uh, so there's very cool stuff about uh, opiate receptors. And one of those cool things is that, for example, you know, uh, breathing exercises and, quote, natural uh, childbirth, turns out that increases the, the breathing exercises. Uh, they actually increase the release of endogenous opiates, of opioids. So you end up with more endorphins released. That, it actually helps kill pain. So it's, it's not just a way for someone to sort of tough through it when they're having a baby. It's actually a way that it creates more of your own painkiller. It's kind of like you're making your own epidural by breathing a certain way. Not quite, though. And anybody here who's ever been around somebody having a baby or who's had a baby realizes that the biggest and most important breathing exercise is breathe in deeply and then say, I want an epidural. Not necessarily true, but you shouldn't feel bad if you do. Seems to me something this big coming out of you, I'd want all the medication. All of it. You have anything else? I never wanted to drop acid, but right now I do. Questions? Did that help? Yeah? Good. And there's one, I think, is it the mu or not the mu? I think it's the kappa receptor that isn't just an opioid receptor. I like using the computer and all that stuff, but I feel very professory when I look at the board and I've done all that. I think it makes me feel like I've actually worked today. That probably ridiculous and I probably shouldn't be sharing things like that with you. <laughs> Believe me, that's, if you, you, there's a lot of stuff I don't share. There's a, there's a lot of darkness up here that you just aren't experiencing, you know, you, you should be happy you're experiencing. Other things people want to know? Yeah. Is there anything, in, in, well, I don't, I don't want to say anything important, but something that we haven't touched on today that you might uh, oh, we haven't touched on today. So it's in the transmitter.
sure. Um, like there's lots of stuff. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's kind of hard for me to, to think of anything. So, I mean, like, if you're thinking about this question here, the lists, look at the list for you. Here's some possibilities. Seven stages of development. That's one good one. What's another good one? Synapses, seven different synapses, beautiful. What's another one? Please. And what qualifies as a neurotransmitter? Or whatever. Sure, is that the five, the five qualities that make the, that are characteristics to make up a neurotransmitter? What else? Uh, the seven steps in neurotransmitter. That's correct. I stopped myself from saying out of boy that time. Let's see, just, I'm just letting you know that I'm correcting my behavior. There's four things already, right? And there's probably more. Where you can say, okay, there's some characteristics of things or whatever. Those aren't that hard because about two thirds, maybe, of that, of any of those things, maybe more in any of those kind of lists, you can probably just figure out without having to study them. Can I give you one piece of advice? Don't just make up a bunch of mnemonics, just study it and learn it. Don't do it like this. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see. So it's that. Okay, so yeah, all the words stand for the, the, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. Now, I can't remember what any of those things stand for, but I've remembered that. That's for typing, by the way. I don't know that. Every letter. Every letter gets Yeah. Quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. I think that's the I took typing in school. Yes. I got 60. Because as soon as they stopped teaching us how to type and started teaching us how to write letters for our bosses, because we were going to be secretaries, they stopped paying attention. I just started typing it like the Montreal Canadiens scoring leaders, things like that. Anyway, don't just make up mnemonics, okay? Um, will it work? Mnemonics are great, they do work. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Why did you bit, right? The letter, the thing, the colors in the spectrum. I'm sure. Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior, Holmes. Right? Like you learn these stupid mnemonics, but really, you're never going to remember. That's those are a couple you hear out there. But if you make up something, you may not even remember it when you get to the test. So instead, just learn it. A buddy of mine in school who was very competitive with me. I wasn't competitive with him so much, but he was competitive with me. I was under, undergrad. He would make up all these mnemonics. And I used to say, I learned it. I, I have this crazy idea. Then again, he's now a vice president at a little company called Disney. And I'm standing in front of you losers. So it's a joke. I think you're, most of you aren't losers. See? Thank you. I'm glad you got that. That's good. That's what I got. No, seriously, try to remember stuff. You'll do so much better. And you'll and you know what else happens? When you take another course that this stuff's based on, you don't have to relearn the stuff, right? So But do whatever works for you, I don't care. Other questions. You know I was kidding when I called you a loser, right? I was talking mostly <laughs> I can tell when people can take a chance. And now he can't believe it, he's crying now. No, he's not! I'm crying inside, though. Oh. <laughs> and I just stand there, you don't really quite know how to take it, and you can't see that I'm... <laughs> the jokes aren't as good with the mask on. 
I just don't feel like dying. 57 years old. This thing kills people like me. Questions? This is always one of those points when I called you all losers is when I always want to like the president of the university walking by with the Ministry of Training Colleges and Universities or something. <laughs> we have a really innovative approach here at Algoma. Profs just yell at students. It's a kind of a boot camp approach. Have you, have you ever had a moment where you said something and somebody very important by? It was actually the president of the university, the Minister of Training Colleges and Universities. <laughs> it's about it's 2018 yeah uh they redid the whole building so by floor by floor so if you were on the fifth floor for six weeks your office was downstairs and we all kept rotating down to different offices now i don't know if you know this but paul dupuy and i yell insults at each other just something we do it's all in fun we've known each other for a long time we're good friends but we yell really bad things to each other. <laughs> and his office is across the hall from mine, if you know, upstairs. So we were we had moved downstairs. And I yelled some horrible thing that I won't even say. But it, it wasn't good. And that was as the president was walking by with the minister of training college. He was downstairs right by like, being, you know, Hey, to play you, and, I, and then he yelled something at me, and then right, with the minister. And we both started laughing, and she laughed. She's like, you guys are great. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I don't think that guy knows that. So, so yeah, it has happened. So we then moderated our behavior. We stopped swearing in the insults. We like doing this because especially people like a lot of you are in the second year and you don't know either of us really. Or you may just know Paul from intro. So when Paul says bad things about me, it's fun because people get all concerned. And then it's like, no, I'm cool. One day I might in my evaluations, which I think you can do now, the online evaluations, I think it's this week. Uh, one, one, one of mine said, uh, he's very unprofessional making fun of other professors. I like, that would bite me. <laughs> my response to that is basically bite me. You know, I, yeah. Tell who my friends are. They're the ones I make fun of. Now everybody's thinking, let's see, he's made fun of Paul, <laughs> Dwayne. I don't make fun of Lori because I'm a little scared. I kid. I'm, I'm not just a little afraid of Lori. I'm, I'm deeply terrified of her. <laughs> this is literally the best review session I've ever had for this class. <laughs> that, that sounds like. I mean, don't get don't get all cocky on this. It still kind of sucks, but for for this course, no, seriously, it's pretty good. By the way, for the final, what I'll do is, but a, a thing that I do often is I, I set up a, a, a group on Facebook. I know most of us don't use it too much anymore, but it's good because we all know how to access it. And 
set up a group and it's private and we can just ask each other questions and it works out pretty well. So I've, I've done that for years now and it works well. And you might say, why wouldn't you use the LMS? Because it goes down. I don't know if you've heard this, but the LMS goes down. Facebook doesn't go down. That'll be in the next few weeks, and I'll send you all invites, and it'll be all fun. You can also get, I, I, I also give out drink recipes, cooking tips. You good? If you have anything else, you can always ask me, send me off an email. Uh, as usual, if it's like the night before the test and it's like 10 o'clock at night, you're probably not getting a reply because I might be asleep because I'm old um, or drunk. So, or high. So it's, or all of the above. It could be. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. It's Bob from the office down the hall. Good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. I really wish you'd let us in. I think I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. Here's an FYI, you're all gonna die screaming All we wanna do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable, I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes All we wanna do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here, maybe we should compromise Open up the door, we'll all come inside and eat your brains. I don't want to nitpick, Tom, but is this really your plan? Spend your whole life locked inside a mall. Maybe that's okay for now, but someday you'll be out of food and guns, and you'll have to make the call. Bigger picture stuff But Tom, that's what I do And I plan on eating you slowly All we wanna do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes All we wanna do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise
common ground somehow Meanwhile I'll report back to my colleagues Who were chewing on the doors I guess we'll table this for now I'm glad to see you take constructive criticism well Thank you for your time, I know we're all busy as hell And we'll put this thing to bed When I bash your head open All we want to do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes Open up the door We'll all come inside and eat your brains So thanks for listening uh, to the lecture. I hope you got something out of it, as I noted in the intro. Um, these are copyrighted, uh, share like 3.0 Canada, uh, some rights reserved, so you can redistribute this all you want, but if you redistribute it, uh, you can't make any money off of it. Uh, and also, uh, if you mash it up, I get to mash up your stuff. Uh, most of the mu the vast majority of the music I found was on an old website called GarageBand, which doesn't exist anymore, and that was called Podsafe Music. So this is all music that I have, uh, that it's perfectly reasonable to... Uh, put on these podcasts. Uh, if you are interested, I can oftentimes find the, the name of the band. The name of the band will be listed in the post. And uh, go look these bands up and, and buy their music, because um, if they're cool enough to let me use this, you should be cool enough to pay 99 cents or whatever to buy one of their songs. Uh, on that note, I will see you next time.